This edition of the Ed Surge On Air podcast is brought to you by the Barbara Bush Foundation Adult Literacy X Prize. Learn more by visiting the following website, adultliteracy.xprize.org. Somewhere on Earth, there is a country where EdTech is exploding into classrooms where teachers and administrators are battling through bitter union disputes to improve tech for students, and where companies are ruthlessly employing government subsidies to stay alive. Are you talking about Canada? You mean peaceful, polite Canada? What's what's with the war-centric terminology? <coughs> uh, okay, yeah, maybe I'm over-dramatizing a little bit, but Canadian EdTech is exciting. Today on the show, we are going to explore the evolving role of EdTech in Canada. We talked to a number of players in Canadian EdTech who shared with us why EdTech is hot north of the border and why you should move your company to Canada. Maybe, if you want to. All that plus the news bits are coming up on this episode of the podcast. I'm Mary Jo Matta. And I'm Michael Winters. Let's get started. Let's be honest, professional development stinks a lot of the time. At least that's how Georgia 50 States contributor Valerie Lewis feels. This teacher has had plenty of experience with the sit and get PD model, and she's done with it. But she's got six concrete steps that administrators and teachers can take together to make PD better. As she says, PD should make you fall in love with teaching all over again. My favorite step from her list, administrators should offer teachers some choice throughout the year in things that they want to learn about. When it comes to teaching, being able to quickly understand whether or not students are learning and then adjusting practice accordingly is crucial to the profession. So how then can educators co-opt lean startup methods with series of rapid testing processes designed to test and scale businesses popularized by Eric Ries in order to design the best classroom possible? Well, this week, we put up a step-by-step guide on how educators can turn the classroom into a hotbed of experimentation. At its most basic, teachers develop a hypothesis and have analytics and measure the success of an instructional strategy or tool in the classroom. Then they test, 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 and ultimately learn from the results. Implementation is where most edtech flounders. Companies don't provide the right training, administrators don't communicate their goals, teachers are overwhelmed by a thousand new tools. What does a real implementation actually look like? What does a successful implementation take? Our reporter and podcast co-host Blake Montgomery took an in-depth look at a teacher training with Illuminate Education software at Piedmont Haven School, and he was surprised by what he learned. You can check out his full report on edsurge.com. There was a flurry of news this week with the release of the 2015 National Assessment of Educational Progress Scores, otherwise known as NAEP, for math and reading, which measure fourth and eighth grade student performances across the U.S. And here's the unfortunate big news item. Math scores dropped for the first time in 25 years, and reading scores flatlined. U.S. Secretary of Education Arne Duncan conceded that the news isn't great, but also noted that the dip doesn't come as a big surprise. And now it's time for ka MOOC provider Coursera has officially closed its Series C round with an additional $1.1 million from EDBI, the investment arm of the Singapore Economic Development Board. That brings the total of this round to $61.1 million. 
And in international funding news, Indian-based Alma Mapper has raised a $400,000 seed round from Oswald Techno Ventures. The company connects university students with peers at other campuses and is positioning itself to offer recruiting services to universities. Congratulations to them and to all of the other companies who raised money this week. We'll get to the deep dive in a minute, but first, a word from our sponsor. On November 18th, world-renowned edtech leaders and innovators will converge on Cooper Union in New York City, and you are invited. The MIT Enterprise Forum of New York, with generous support from Fiverr, presents the New York City kickoff of the Barbara Bush Foundation Adult Literacy X Prize. Join the best and brightest entrepreneurs, investors, hackers, and edtech enthusiasts for conversations about the changing face of adult education. Among the speakers will be Peter Diamandis, Chairman and CEO of XPRIZE, Jake Schwartz, CEO of General Assembly, and Jonathan Harbour, former CEO of Schoolnet and Pearson K-12 Technology. To reserve your free spot for the evening reception and panel presentations, go to www.adultedweek.com and look for the VIP promo code. That's www.adultedweek.com. Okay, it is time now for today's deep dive, where we're going to explore the world of Canadian EdTech. Back at the beginning of October, Team EdSurge held a summit up in Toronto, and to prepare, we spent a lot of time learning about the Canadian EdTech scene. Yeah, so I wasn't at that summit, but I do remember you all poring over reports on school boards in Toronto and literally Googling every Canadian EdTech company you could think of. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. did a lot of research for that one. Uh, we learned a lot of interesting things about our northern neighbors uh, that we thought would be worth sharing on the show. Uh, for instance, Mary Jo, did you know that in Ontario, a director is the head of a school board and a superintendent reports to a director? Which is funny because that's actually the exact opposite of the U.S. Yeah, and we learned that the hard way, of course, like you always like learn things. Like most things. <laughs> but uh, anyway, because uh, you weren't on this summit, Mary Jo, you weren't involved in a lot of that research. And so I thought that I would... Uh, run this podcast by giving you a pop quiz on what we learned. Wait, I'm not a student anymore. A uh, pop quiz. We're gonna, let's do it. Come on. All right. It's going to be on three things we learned about Canadian ed tech. Okay, let me get mentally prepared. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> that, was, that was quick mental preparation. Mm -hmm. All right, so here we go. I'm going to ask you three true or false questions. Answer two of them correctly, and you'll win our prize. Carl Castle's voice on your voicemail. Wait, seriously? No, I've just always wanted to say that. Oh, why'd you I, get my I, hopes I'm a huge, up? Wait, wait, don't tell me fandom. Dang. So cool. Uh, so here we go. Question one, true or false? Teachers and school boards in Canada are moving quickly to adopt new ed tech products. Um, okay, well, I hear the stereotype, don't necessarily believe it, that Canadian tech moves more slowly than U.S. tech. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we had a summit in Canada seems to be a good sign, so I'm going to go with true. Hey, you're right. Yes. True is the correct answer. Success. There is definitely increasing... Uh, penetration of consumer style technology in classrooms in Canada. So we started off by talking to Vikram and Kiming, co-founders of the Canadian ed tech company Edusite. So I'm Vikram Somasendram. Um, I'm the CEO at Edusite and one of the co-founders. We started the company about a year and 10 months ago. My name is Kiming Wang. I'm the CTO at Edusite. I also started, I guess, a year and 
10 months ago. <laughs> so EduSight is a standards-based portfolio to let teachers capture grades, photos, notes, audio and video of what's happening in the classroom. They explained to us that they have seen big shifts in Canadian EdTech over the last couple of years. I mean, when we first started, uh, we would hear whispers of teachers starting to use Remind, and now it's everywhere just like it is here. And so that's an example. Um, and then same things with other companies like Costa and so on. So I think we're like a year behind the United States in a lot of ways. Um, so that's, that, I mean, that's that's definitely the stereotype, but is, is that true? Yeah. I mean, I, I, like, I, I feel like what's happened in the United States, for example, with Chromebooks and, and like one-on-one devices is that they, that was like big news a couple of years ago. And now sort of everybody, I, I still hear that a lot of boys in Canada are just considering them or just purchased them for this year, things like that. Yeah. Um, and we also spoke to a third entrepreneur, Chris Johnson, the co-founder and CEO of Permission Click, which delivers digital permission slips, forms, and data collection to K-12 schools and clubs. And he agreed that Canadian schools have come a long way over the last two years. Well, I would say, generically speaking, in tech is being used in schools. Um, I would say that, you know, when we sort of started on this adventure, it was just, you know, the, the, the space was certainly heating up. I won't, you know, it's commonplace now. Okay, so we've got the entrepreneurs. Now, of course, they're going to say that tech use is increasing. Um, But what about the educators? Well, educators, it turns out, agree, uh, or at least this one does. Uh, So my name is Brandon Zoris, and I'm a teacher at Monarch Park Collegiate in the Toronto District School Board. I've been teaching for seven years, and I teach high school, uh, grade 9, 10 science, and grade 11 and 12 chemistry and biology. Brandon Zoris. I love Brandon Zoris. I know. He's great. He's he's wonderful. Uh, And in those seven years that he has been teaching, Brandon has seen the use of technology come a long way in the classroom. But perhaps most importantly, he's also seen a transition in the way that districts and schools work together to adopt technology. Yeah, so before it used to be kind of like, here you go, this is what you you have to work with. Um, Then it's kind of gradually shifted to, here's some recommended software from a list that we've approved. Um, You can go forward with that. And to now it's almost, uh, you can actually go ahead and suggest software and say, I've been really working with this startup and this is a really great product. Uh, can we maybe do this in a bigger scale? And uh, so that conversation's opened up more, I think, with the, the more, I guess, people getting into ed tech space um, and also the fact that I think they realize that sometimes it hasn't worked when someone has made a decision on behalf of a whole board or a whole school to roll out like X product. Yeah, and I think there has been a big shift. Um, and I know it's kind of, there, there has been more of a sophisticated step and process, I guess. Um, a lot of teachers, I think, also weren't just happy with what was kind of put down the pipe of like, here you go, try this. Uh, maybe it wasn't aligning with curriculum or good pedagogy. So that sounds a little bit like what's happening in parts of the U.S. Mm-hmm. A lot of districts now have to live with the consequences of not involving teachers in ed tech decisions. And, and they're now saying, oh, hey, maybe we should invite teachers to be a part of this. Absolutely. And, and Chris told me that he's seen the same level of improved process among parents and administrators, too, which is a great sign. Administrators especially are asking better questions around privacy that he says is really keeping his company on its toes. Uh, so that, that's a great sign and also similar to things we're seeing in the U.S. And speaking of administrators, uh, all right, it's time for question number two. Okay, sweet. I'm ready. I'm one for one, so let's keep it. Let's keep the ball rolling. Here we go. Mary Jo, true or false? Relations between schools and districts are always cordial in Canada. Cordial. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, 
<laughs> there are a lot of unions in Canada, but most of the Canadians I've met are pretty polite, so I guess I'm going to say true? Uh, wah, wah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is incorrect, Mary Jo. Unfortunately, there has been a little bit of a labor dispute going on up in Toronto, and uh, these disputes, according to Brandon, are getting more common. Um, so it's been a few years, actually, uh, since we've had a collective agreement um, with our uh, with our different uh, school boards. Um, so a lot of the things are, we look at the book, it says, you know, from 2012 or 2013. We have four main teacher unions in Toronto um, that are looking after the different sectors from public secondary, public elementary, public French, and public Catholic. Um, and so each of them are dealing differently with the government. Um, and so now it's become a central bargaining where um, the different school boards are dealing with also the unions and the government. Um, to try to reach a deal. The teachers in British Columbia went through a similar scenario the last couple years, and we're kind of dealing with the same issues. Ooh, yikes. Uh, union administration disputes are not really, well, not I was going to say not often, but they're never a good thing. So they're making all of this progress with that tech, and then in Toronto, at least now, we have this disagreement. So how, Michael, is that affecting tech purchasing and tech initiatives? Yeah, as you might expect, it is making everything more difficult. There's been kind of a pause between who can work together. Um, there's been sanctions where some of the schools are told, or the teachers are told not to work with certain organizations or do certain PDs. Um, and that kind of puts things on hold and it puts everyone in a really awkward position. Um, for myself, I can speak personally, like I, I really, I, I feel saddened when I have to stop collaborating with and working well with certain people and those people feel the exact same way. Ugh, that puts a pit in my stomach. I don't like that. And the worst part about this is that it's the students, unfortunately, are, are, who are caught in the middle of all this. Yeah, I, I know. I, I mean, it feels, it feels not great, you know, that, that teaching and the good work that's being done around tech has to be put on hold. Yeah. But as Brandon explained, look, the teachers feel really strongly about certain issues, and the district feels strongly about them too, and there's only so many resources to go around. So there's going to be conflict eventually. And, you know, in that regard, it sounds a lot like what we hear when there's labor disputes in the U.S. In fact, I'm seeing a lot of parallels here. Limited resources, educators working without a contract for a while. I mean, that's that's tough. Yeah, yeah. So we went into this podcast thinking there'd be a lot of differences between the Canadian and the U.S. edtech market. Mm -hmm. And really, there's a lot more similarities than we thought. Mm -hmm. um, all right, Mary Jo, so you are one for two so far. Oof. Uh, Canadian schools are adopting tech at a rapid pace, but union and administrator conflict uh, is unfortunately relatively common in Canada. So this is exciting. You have one more chance to win. All right, let's do it. Here we go. True or false, the opportunities for ed tech companies are better in the U.S. than they are in Canada. Oh my gosh. That's such a nuanced That's That's really nuanced. I mean, just answer the question. Uh, okay, just for fun, I'm going to say true. All right, well, let's see what a couple of our interviewees had to say. I think it might be easier as you're starting in Canada, as you're developing your product. That is Dr. Camille Rutherford, a professor at Brock University in Ontario and a contributor to iHub Niagara, a partnership between local districts and ed tech companies because then you can go into a school system um, that is uh, generally doesn't have a lot of significant issues. So the majority of our students um, uh, do quite well. You know, we're generally in the top five when it comes to PISA. 
so you can see the majority of students will be at uh, grade level when it comes to reading or math. As well, we have a very highly qualified teacher population. So as you're starting out, uh, they can provide great insight. Uh, working with those teachers, being in classrooms, that you know whatever impact, uh, whatever academic impact that there is, it's your product that's helping to support that. And Chris from Permission Click also talked about the benefits of starting a company in Canada. So Permission Click is founded in, in Canada and we're incorporated in our you know, state slash province, Manitoba. Canada really is blessed when it comes to early stage uh, funding and grant opportunities. So in, in Canada and in Manitoba, for instance, we had access to a, a program that, that uh, you know, afforded us $50,000 to go and prototype our product. And then that led the pathway to access to a $250,000 grant uh, to help us with our early stage commercialization. Uh, and then we've had access to, you know, um, a couple hundred thousand additional dollars from our federal government in, uh, in, uh, in research and uh uh, industry development. Chris couldn't talk much about what he used those grants for. It's all still in development. But the basic idea is the Canadian government will give you a grant to build something that you otherwise might not have been able to build. In Permission Click's case, they're using the money to improve the security and the privacy of their tool. Okay, so things are good for young companies, but what about those companies who are a little bit more grown-up, mature? Yeah, those teenage, mature companies. Yeah. That's when things get tricky. Everybody we talked to said the same thing. It's hard to access big capital when you're in Canada. In Canada, not just in EdTech, we, we don't have the uh, venture capital access. Hmm. Um, and we it's challenging to scale. The, California as a market is bigger than all of Canada. Uh, Texas is bigger than all of Canada. Um, they know the efficacy of it. They know it can work well. But if you really want to have the growth and scale, uh, very often they have to then start um, working in the U.S. Out of sight, out of mind is, is true. I mean, we're thousands of miles away from the from the epicenter of the tech world, and and so what will happen is they'll you know your your great investor partners out of your seed rounds will end up being the folks who make the handshakes and connections into. Uh, the VCs, um, probably not unlike what happens organically in the U.S. Uh, the difference is you're just not on the radar until that stuff starts to happen, um, unless you proactively make it happen. Like, I'm not going to walk into a coffee shop and, like, sit down with someone from Sequoia. Like, that's not going to happen, Winnipeg. Okay, so we've learned that Canada is an awesome place to start a company, but that you might have to leave to raise a big round of funding, just being honest. Right. So does that mean that I win this final round? Are opportunities for the companies better in the U.S. or Canada? Uh, well, it's sort of a tie. I guess I'll give this. I'll give it. I'll give. Sure. Yeah, you're, you're right. Yes, I'm a winner yeah, we're all doing very it. Proud of you, Mary okay, jo. where's my prize? We'll uh, work on it. Anyway, a big thanks to the many people we interviewed for this show, uh, to Vikram and Kuming at Edgesite, Chris at Permission Click, Dr. Camille Rutherford, and finally to Brandon Zoris. And thanks also to all of our contributors to Ed Surge this week. I see what you did there, Michael, trying to get the, the attention subject. somewhere going, else. Come on. Um, hey, all you Bay Area teachers, administrators, entrepreneurs, big news. Our Digital Innovation and Learning Awards Gala is coming up in just a couple of weeks on November 20th. If you're interested in getting all gussied up and joining us and our partners at Digital Promise at the Computer History Museum, just head to 
to dilas.org. That's D-I-L-A-S.org. Educators can get tickets for free, and it's going to be a wonderful evening full of celebrating some of the newest and best initiatives in EdTech. And where else these days in Silicon Valley do you get to wear a suit? Doesn't happen. Appropriate, Michael. And finally, thank you to all of you for listening to our show. Like, subscribe, listen more. Please, please, please. <laughs> all right. I am Michael Winters. And I'm Mary Jomata. We'll see you next week. This is the Ed Surge Podcast. 